Chapter Twenty Eight of the Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. Connell himself on the road met Davy behind Maitland's slowly moving, scraggy, high-ribbed cattle. What's the meaning of this? he asked, striding into Farrell's kitchen. That kid of Cameron's wanted a job. The schoolmaster said he's quarrelled with his father. Does he know the game? The schoolmaster nodded, staring over his pipe into the fire. Connell threw off his hat. His eyes were blazing. The breath throbbed against the bare throat down which his beard climbed. Do you mean to say you... The schoolmaster's eye on his halted his tongue. No, I don't mean to, he said slowly. He knocked the ash from his pipe. By the way, Connell, who fixed the brands on that red bull? You know the beast I mean. Small, square, blazed face, sold in Port Southern last sales. I did. Fighting Connell threw himself into a chair. Badly done, the schoolmaster murmured, gazing before him. He, young Davy, twigged it. He's been holding his tongue, for what reason I don't know, but he told me because he wanted this job. I gave it to him. Thad's got his knife into him. Then why on earth did you want to take him on and get Thad on our tracks? Don't take orders from Thad yet, do you, Connell? Connell fidgeted under that glint in Dan's eye. No, he growled. You know I don't. But there's no good I can see in running against him. What does this kid want, anyhow? Why, there's more than a dozen of Cameron's cows in the mob I'm after now. The log that had been smouldering all day on the open hearth broke and fell with a shattering of embers. Tell you the truth, Connell, the schoolmaster looked straight out before him. There's something in McNab's eyes tells me he's got his suspicions. Well, if he has, it's time to get out. You've had luck so far, but there's something about McNab keeps making me feel as if he were promising himself something on my account, saying to himself, there's something coming to you. Of course he thinks I'm in this business with you. Connell shifted his position and swore impatiently. I'd better keep out of your way. That's what it amounts to, Dan. No, the schoolmaster said, not that. Let McNab think what he likes, as far as I'm concerned. Only he hasn't any particular quarrel with you, Coddle, and he has with me. And if he tripped you up trying to get at me, it would be a bad business. Connell leant forward. Things are tightening up north, too, he said. I mean to quit, Dan. Maitland knows I do his business, and a little bit extra on my own account. That doesn't worry him so long as he gets a fancy price for the beasts. I want to pull off this last lift, and then turn the game down altogether. I wish you were in this with me, though you've never been in any but square jobs before. I've been spying out the land, took a short cut from rain and got into the back hills, sent Tim and Pat on with those scrags of Maitland's, picked up Teddy at Steve's. There's not much he doesn't know about the ways of scrub cattle. Trust a black. He took me down the narrow valley to the plains. We laid a couple of hours under cover in the dark. Then the moon rose, and you should have seen the mob go stringing out across the plains, looking no more than a drove of rats in the dim light. It's a pretty good bunch, rolling fat, and prices high. I meant to pick it up. Wouldn't have known anything about it but for you. It's out of my beat. You ought to have a whack of the profits, Dan. Both men were silent for a few moments. Only the fire creaked in the quiet room. When I'm through with this bit of work, I'll get out and set up on the respectable somewhere. We could take up a couple of hundred acres on our own account, you and me, Connell murmured. 
go to church wear long-tailed coats ring on some fancy speechifying me and deirdre sing in the choir when this is all through there's something i'll be wanting to say to you dan there was another moment's dreaming silence the schoolmaster spoke with a sudden resolution no he said do what you like yourself connell but i made up my mind long ago not to have anything to do with cross jobs i'm not in this i don't want to be and i'll have nothing to do with the proceeds you call dan connell rose from his seat by the fire with a gesture of disappointment it'll be full moon tomorrow night and i'm going to make a dash for em teddy and i ran up a yard near the old hut in narrow valley that's what's been keeping me steve's going to send tucker and fire irons down today what about young cameron the schoolmaster asked we'll have to keep an eye on him you don't suppose he'll blab do you you say he knows the game already and hasn't but we can't afford to take chances but he's not to be dragged in connell connell threw back his head laughing well i want another man he said as for being dragged in he won't be dragged in but did you ever hear of a youngster who'd sit behind the door and suck his thumbs while there was moonlighting in the air it won't be a case of dragging him in but keeping him out after all it's the sport makes it worth while the waiting brush fight and carrying through of things he stretched his long limbs but i won't have davy working with you connell the schoolmaster said angrily deirdre came into the room a little bonnet over her head and a long black cloak covering her there was a wild colour the wind had whipped into them in her cheeks and her eyes were shining you connell she cried eagerly when she saw the tall figure of the drover when did you get back connell saw only her shining eyes and the fluttering line of her mouth he stood stock still staring at her it did not occur to his simple mind to ask whether it was for him her eyes were shining only that glad and eager note in her voice pleased him the schoolmaster had heard people say that deirdre was beautiful but she had never seemed more beautiful than she was this evening when she came out of the gloom bringing into the quiet room and across the threshold of his troubled thoughts her youth and buoyancy of spirit the whole secret and subtle essence of her femininity in bloom oh i-i've just got back and came to see your father at once deirdre was all connell could say did you have a good trip she asked taking off her hat and coat he wondered how much of his enterprise she knew but there was no shadow on her face yes all right he said a little awkwardly i saw mrs cameron at the store father she continued busy with her own thoughts and turning over in her mind what mrs cameron had said to her what she had said to mrs cameron and the plot light as a spider's web that they had woven between them for davy's benefit and as i was coming along home she laughed blithely who did i meet on the road but pat glenn and he put this little parcel into my hand and said that he had been told to give it to me he made me promise not to open it until i got in too she tore the wrappings of brown paper and newspaper from a little brown box opened it and drew out a heavy old-fashioned necklace made of links and twists of gold with a locket set with rubies and pearls at the end of it oh isn't it pretty she cried the schoolmaster stared at it and on connell's face a thundercloud of resentment gathered who did he tell you sent it the schoolmaster asked he wouldn't say only that it was from a devoted admirer have you any idea who it's from dan asked anger and anxiety struggling within him 
Deirdre looked up at Connell. "'It's not from you, Connell?' she asked, hesitatingly. He shook his head. "'Perhaps it was Davy.' She looked at the schoolmaster. "'No,' he said. "'Davy had no money, I know, so he couldn't have sent it. You've no idea of anyone else?' "'No.' The light had gone from her face. Connell seized his hat, his mouth set in an ugly line. "'I'll go and see Pat,' he said. The door slammed behind him. Deirdre stood looking down on the glimmering thing in her hand. "'You're not to wear it, Deirdre.' the schoolmaster said harshly. Her eyes flew to his. He caught a reflection of his own spirit in them. "'Do you think I'd be likely to?' she said. It was hours later when Connell slammed the door of the cottage again. The suppressed rage in him burned to white ash. "'He's gone. Pat Glynn,' he said angrily. "'I've ransacked the place for him. He's melted into thin air. I've been out along the rain road and halfway into the port, but he's done the disappearing trick.' There's not a track of him anywhere. End of chapter 28